0: And you, you know how you know somebody went to do? They'll tell you. It's like CrossFit. You don't have to ask. They'll it's just like tell you. It's kind of like CrossFit. <laughs> Everyone knows where you went because when you walk in, you go, hi, I'm Andrew and I it's went to Duke. It's that tattoo on his it's, neck. Yeah, it's <laughs> the better blue. It's the better blue. This is odd, well, Matt. John. We never know how to, you know, the cold open thing is like. Uh, yeah. How you how do sit you do down that? with people and you just start. Yeah. You just go. Start. So today we have two new Chapelwood uh, staff pastors who both work with pastoral and congregational care. And we have been talking a lot about mental health and resiliency and grit and all kinds of good stuff. So Joy Johnson and Andrew Wolf are two of our pastors both have backgrounds in pastoral care to this point. Mm-hmm. And so I thought today we'd just talk a little bit about uh, that so folks who are listening mm-hmm. can get to know who you are. But I thought we also talk at a bigger level, kind of what you're seeing and sensing and your experience as far as mental health and kind of how we need to address it in the in the greater world around us, not just here in Chapelwood or Houston, mm-hmm. but Everywhere where people yeah. listen to us. Why don't you first tell us real quick, Andrew? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, uh, Andrew Wolf. I've been in Houston for five years. I, I came here to serve at St. Paul's Methodist Church down the Med Center and was promptly welcomed by this little thing called Hurricane Harvey. And so I had a really wonderful um, welcome shower to Houston. I've got two boys, and uh, they're three and a half and one years old. And my wife, Amanda, is uh, a neonatal ICU nurse. So our lives are busy and pretty chaotic, but it's it's a good life, so. Wow, yeah. that's
0: great. They're great, Beautiful kids, too. <laughs> How about you, Joy?
2: Well, I've been in pastoral care for the last seven and a half years, been a pastor for 15, and so grew up in Indiana, came to Texas in 2003, I think it was, so have been here ever since in Houston area, so I have three kids. They're 18, 22, and 23, and my husband, Joel, so. Just keeping busy getting the last one off to college this year.
0: And you went to college. You were a geologist.
2: Yes. Yeah, I did many years in geology.
0: I don't have any rocks. Yeah. But what was your undergraduate degree in?
1: Philosophy and religion. Of course it was. Of course. I, mean, I say
0: that because I was history and philosophy and religion. So yeah, I don't know. I know nothing yeah. about rocks.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Different fields for sure.
0: Yeah, Russell. What was your undergraduate degree in? Human development. Hmm. (laughs) that explains a lot
3: (laughs) I was searching for it
0: so one of the things I thought I was just looking at some things to kind of prompt our conversation we've been talking a lot about at least getting this year started out mental health especially um, you all had a meeting today we had a meeting we're trying to put together a renew kind Mm -hmm. of uh, referral lists Mm -hmm. For people here through the church and in the community, as it relates to mental health issues, marriage issues, substance <clears throat> abuse issues, and you know, revisiting this list from time to time is important because we're finding more and more people in trauma, yeah, uh, in just difficult, difficult situations. What are what are you experiencing? Not just since you've been here, because you guys have only been here about a month plus, <laughs> but in your previous places too. Have you noticed like? Is it, in the past couple of years, does it seem like there's more mental health, trauma, struggle, anxiety, depression, substance abuse relationship, or what are you, what do you experience?
2: Absolutely. Um, In my last church, we, especially amongst young people, lots of teenagers and college age students really struggling with a lot of mental health issues in terms of extreme anxiety that was, you know, probably there a little bit before COVID, but with the shutdown, it really exasperated that because they were you know, isolated from one another. Then they got more on, into their phone and social media, which made everything worse. So high rates of anxiety, depression, suicide. I, yeah, very much that. And then also even in older adults saw a high rate of suicide and those who are, were over 50 struggling with what's next in life what's what am i going to do i just got laid off i can't find a new job um and then of course the stress that that put on marriages as well because there was a lot of economic uncertainty mm-hmm. so lots of stress in marriages and divorce you know maybe maybe relationships that weren't super great or yeah. a little struggling before COVID and then during COVID and after just lots of people deciding, you know, I, I'm not doing this anymore. So I'll, a higher rates of divorce as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Andrew? Um, you know, I, I, I kind of joked about Harvey being a welcome shower, but I think that year, 2017, was pretty darn pivotal, mm-hmm. um, especially for our students. So that year began in August uh, uh, with Harvey and mm-hmm. it ended with the shooting in Santa Fe right and so like students in this particular area just just were compounded multiple ways and and so what you know what i keep seeing for
0: people who listen santa fe santa, not, not in mexico but that's right santa here is a suburb of houston
1: yes but, suburb of houston halfway between houston and galveston where uh reverend paul was serving mm-hmm. down uh, before joining our staff so um you know that that year was just kind of for me uh, such a break open moment where um it, it wasn't just an isolated event. It it just kept compounding and and then we keep seeing that again through the, the the pandemic. Um and it's just these these events that really crack open so many inequalities and injustices around healthcare, around housing, around education, and and the, this just it's not it's not just a problem in other places. It's it's literally here. Um and it and it hasn't really Really had a lot of a lot of people to address it or, or to be involved in it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a major issue. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. It feels like this this is going to be as we come out of COVID and uh, you know in our in our denomination some denominational mm-hmm. struggle and disagreement. But as we're coming out on the other side of that, it feels to me like this is the lane, our big lane, where Jesus is leading. Yeah. Not just doing a better job of forming disciples versus the culture stuff that's influencing but really the healing and the pulling together around a lot of the brokenness that's happened. What do you think true. about that?
3: I do. I think I I think people are hungry for the healing ministry of Jesus, you know, and 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 I think about that kind of from um, a larger perspective than just You know a prayer ministry which is very important as well but you know that that people show up to church i wonder with these things that are rumbling around in them wondering is this a place that might touch in and talk about this and might i experience some relief or a process that might lead me forward Mm -hmm. to something you know Mm -hmm. and i think that the church in so many ways has um, it's, in some ways, has um, farmed that out and gotten really, you know, here's 101, 102, 103. And if you do that, you know, rather than thinking about the, the healing and the reconciliation of people um, that are broken um, and how we, how we might talk about that, language that, and then create processes that people might get healed in.
0: You know, it's interesting. I was looking at um, this report that comes out, Mental Health America uh, does the state of mental health. And this 2023 report, it was just interesting to me. They're mostly just statistics. But if any of these resonate with you, just jump in. It's, it. you know, they said from 19 to 20, 20 percent, almost 21 percent of adults were experiencing some type of mental illness. That seemed really high to me. I mean, that means... One in 50 five million. people yeah. that you run across yeah. are struggling. That's 50 million Americans struggling with some type of mental illness. The vast majority, this was interesting because I know, Matt, you've done a lot with uh, substance and recovery and all that kind of stuff. The vast majority of individuals with a substance use disorder in the U.S. are not receiving treatment. 15%, 15.3% of adults have a substance a, a abuse or substance use disorder in the past year. Of them ninety-three percent, ninety-three and a half percent did not receive any treatment of any kind.
2: I'm not surprised, honestly, because it's kind of a hidden epidemic. Like Mm -hmm. you really don't don't want people to know that you have a mental health issue. I mean, not many of us would open up and talk about that. I mean, I heard your sermon on Sunday where you did mention you had struggled and you had reached out and received mental health care. And so I think that's where it's important is is to make it open, that it's something that we Mm -hmm. don't need to be ashamed of. And so that people will actually get the help, but Mm -hmm. they often will cover up their mental health struggles with some sort of
1: alcohol or
2: substance.
1: well, I would just probably. I, I think what I might throw in there too is, I mean, I, I'd like to look at. Is that for a certain that nineteen to twenty demographic age? Because I guess my I think experience is it just
0: adults. However just they adults, define yeah. Adults? Yep
1: because my experience has been that you know college kids are a lot lot high school kids are a lot more in tune with wellness and mental wellness so uh, last weekend I, I got to spend some time at Duke uh, mm-hmm. for some board meetings and one of the one of the uh, afternoon sessions we got to tour this new student wellness center and it's this gorgeous three-story center where uh, counseling services where the the mm-hmm. pharmacy where doctors all this stuff is integrated in this one space and then they have these little breakout rooms for these students to literally do things as simple as as craft and crochet and and it's a place where these students come together to deal with the stress and the anxiety of being in that high pressure kind of situation um you know so when you said 19 or 20 percent you know one in five is kind of experiencing like like i think at duke that's probably tracking pretty well but they're but they're really open to it they're really open to finding ways to deal with what's going on whereas i wonder you know, with me, uh, my older, older folks, like, what I you mentioned
0: you, this in, a, in a sermon a couple of weeks ago, is that the younger generation does not view mental health with the same stigma that right. my generation or older than, sure. or, or Matt's generation, which is which a generation is a much older, older, than yours, John. In my generation, because you didn't, it, mental health meant mental illness and that meant something yeah. was broken or wrong. Now, when you say mental health to young people, they look at it as like, okay, physical health, I have mental health. I have spiritual health. I have psychological health, and they look at us like you all have to have it all in balance together. So this makes sense that in a in a place like Duke, a university, or where there's a place where the younger they're not afraid to go.
1: Yeah, they're talk about they're it. they're a lot more like easy to dive in, and they know that there's a safe space for that.
0: So even though we have this this epidemic now of mental health with young people, they're more willing to be helped. Or seek out help. It seems like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and it, I mean, and what we were experiencing, there wasn't radical things. I mean, it was like crocheting, and it was meditating, and it was it was doing drum circles and yoga class. I mean, it was stuff that that gets them in tune with themselves and pulls them out of the high pressure that they're in. The stuff that's really drawing them down and just reconnecting to themselves. Yeah, I wonder if like if mental if mental illness or having a mental
3: health issue is really about a dislocation and a separation from oneself and then an isolation based on that. If mental health could also be um, seen as a reconnection, you know, and and I wonder if the antidote to most of our mental maladies and our physical, spiritual maladies is about connection. Is the antidote. And I think mm-hmm. that's where the church has a lot to say mm-hmm. and a lot to offer if we can do that in a way that's salutary to people that are struggling, where it doesn't feel like I have to get my stuff cleaned up and then I'll show right. up, right? right. No, this is, a, this is a place you get your stuff cleaned up. Come on, you <laughs> yeah. know?
2: Yeah, that's one of the things I think that the church does do that, you know, that we sort of lost in COVID but has come back, which is the ability to connect. I mean, human connection with each other and then around the spirit and and just that is what has glued society together for so long and we have really lost that. But I see that rebuilding here Mm -hmm. very much so as people are returning, they're hungry to be in relationship with other people. And that. I mean, science, studies have shown actually being in relationship and being in groups actually is literally good for your mental health. And so mm-hmm. it creates healthy endorphins. It's good mm-hmm. for the body. So it's also good for the soul. So that's where the church can really, really be a part of bringing about the healing of our society. There's a
0: guy comes to church here. He comes just about every week. And he told me recently, he says, I can't hear a word you're saying, I can't understand anything in your sermon. He goes, I go home. And at four o'clock or three o'clock whenever, when it shows up on YouTube, I watch it with closed caption. And then I can understand what it was that you said. And I was like, yeah, but you're here every week. He goes, I wouldn't miss this. He goes, I just wanna be here in the room and be with the people and be in the experience. I'm like, he's coming and he doesn't know what in the world I'm saying. He goes home (laughs) later to figure it out. (laughs) He probably is better off than some people who hear. But I just thought, man, that's really cool. He just wants to be in the room.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the beautiful. things for me, like tying this into the sacraments, right, is is when we do communion together, we say, "Do this in remembrance of me," right? And that word is like to literally remember to put the, mm-hmm. the dislocated mm-hmm. members of ourselves. Back together, back together in this meal, around this table, all together, and and for me, like that has just been a, a kind of a, ah. uh, a, a a place of 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 really putting my flag in congregational care is how are we remembering people? How are we helping them to remember themselves? How are we helping them to remember their faith? Remember you know their community? Like because we are just we're pulled in a million different directions, and mm. and when we're stressed out and when health gets struggles, I mean it's just it's a it's a powerful word for me to literally have jesus say remember me. Mm-hmm. so how is the church remembering people literally putting them together. yeah
0: another stat they said millions of adults in the united states experience serious thoughts of suicide the highest rate among multiracial individuals percentage of adults reporting serious thoughts is about 5%. that's 12 million people. i i i, I don't how how are y'all sensing and and getting a sense of this. I think with young people, it may be higher. Um, There was a story recently in the news of a young girl who committed suicide because she had been bullied in school and the girls had attacked her, beat her up, hit her with water bottles. They filmed it. And then they posted on social media. And then, of course, everybody piles on. So it wasn't bad enough that that happened in the hallway. She had to relive it over and over and over again, and this young girl took her life. Um, mm. And it's just the stress and the, the pressure of, of all that we've been through. You know, uh, Kitty Harris, when we had a couple weeks back, yeah. talked about this whole play on, you know, with COVID, the argument of, oh, well, we gotta take kids out of school to protect them, but at the same time, removing them from that social connection was almost as mm. harmful for mm-hmm. them in their development as the threat of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And so now we're facing two years or a year in some places more of, of kids who've fallen behind, kids who isolated. And, and I think it's just, I think it's an epidemic that is gonna take a long time to overcome, a long time to overcome. Mm-hmm. Over half of adults with mental illness do not receive treatment, um, almost a third of all adults with mental illness reported that they were not able to receive the treatment that they needed, uh, which means that they just didn't have access to it, they couldn't afford it. That goes back, I know you're passionate about this because the whole justice issue, I I was listening to a guy recently, he says, if we're gonna really be uh, a church that values justice, the justice of God, biblical justice, that's justice for everyone, not just the people you agree with not just the people on your team, not just the people who vote the way you vote. It's justice for everyone. And justice usually, I say usually, justice is always about the one on the underside, the one that doesn't have access, the one that is marginalized, the one that is put away, Mm. the one that doesn't have a voice. Sometimes we think the injustice is being done to me and yet we're the one with all the power. That's not quite what that means, but we can unpack that another time. Uh, You've been involved a little bit with when you were at St. Paul and, and, and doing some work around justice and caring for people in the community. You talk about that a little
1: bit. Sure. Yeah. So, um, out of, out of Harvey, we, um, we had this, this meeting in the community where, um, folks came together and and were asking these questions of justice. How do we, how do we create equity and healthcare and, and education, et cetera. And so we had this kind of powwow meeting, uh, down in Brazewood area. And at that, at that, there was a group of people from U of H and uh, they were like, we really want to start a health clinic. We want to do something good for the community, but we don't have anywhere to do it uh, because it's really expensive to, to lease property and to do all this space. And I said, well, I really want to open a clinic. I want to do something for the community, but everyone on trustees says that's a lot of red tape and we don't want to do with malpractice. And so it's just a beautiful moment of like, I've got space, you've got know-how let's put this thing together. Uh, and so, yeah, we've, we opened a clinic in 2019 and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of basic preventative health healthcare for, for anyone and everyone that's provided for free of charge. But it's just, for me, it really fills that gap. You know, going back to the statistic of people didn't have access to, or whatever, like you can, you can get, you can get to see a doctor here in Houston, right? We have lots of places to go. Uh, but mental health crises don't wait for six months to to get inside the doctor's office. Right. And, and so, like, having, having places that are stopgaps or that really meet these immediate needs are kind of a big part of how we, you know, stem the tide of the pandemic or that you know, issue.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and piggybacking on that, the report here says that 11% of adults with mental illness are uninsured. Hispanic adults in the United States were the least likely to have health insurance. If with those with mental illness, mm-hmm. uh, almost 20, almost 20% reporting that they were not covered by insurance. I think about the demographics of Houston. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you, do you know what the number of uninsured adults in Houston is? You're anyway. going
0: to, I have a feeling you're going to tell me. I,
1: I definitely know, but I just wanted to see how no, this is great. it's 26%, 26%.
0: Well, if you think about the trend here on that on that Hispanics are likely are the more likely not to be insured, yes. and you think about the demographics of Houston, that's kind of where I was leading. It's like we're almost what forty percent Hispanic. That makes sense that if nineteen percent is the national average, it would be much higher here. Yeah, than it would. Yeah, be
1: Houston is totally a tale of two cities, right? Like the greatest medical center in the world, largest medical center, 70 biggest
0: oil companies, yeah. biggest oil gas companies. I mean,
1: cutting edge technology and then all of a sudden 26 NASA <laughs> going to the moon.
0: And then 20 what would you say and 26?
1: Then 26% of people who live here with all of that economic power, all of that stuff happening in our backyard. Um, 26% can't can't get access. And you know, our health care is tied up to our jobs as well. So what is that saying mm-hmm. about how, you know, how we face or how we address mental health issues as well? Yeah. It's so where where people are getting their care from.
3: Mm-hmm. That's what? why the county jail, they say, in Houston is the largest mental health facility in the state of Texas, you know, and because that's what we folks that don't have access to that are going to have more occurrences with the law, um, you know, than, say, my boys would. Um, and that that's the that's the place that folks go when there's a lot of depression, anxiety, fear, trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, is it that the, the county jail becomes a place where our our culture does that? So,
2: what gonna I was going to say was, is not only I mean, you, there's a, that group that doesn't have any access. <coughs> what I've encountered in my last church was we had a large group of people who were had maybe had insurance had economics but didn't have access to it especially women who were in maybe they they were suffering from economic abuse which is where the their spouse controlled all the money they didn't work they stayed home but they really needed mental health care to the point of maybe they were even you know domestic uh, violence was a real issue and so one of the things that i worked on there was making sure that i could get them access to mental health care that didn't didn't show up on their insurance didn't show up on their credit card and so you know just and that they could afford it because they had no money even though they might have lived in a very nice home with a a spouse who had lots of money but they had no access to it so that is also a challenge that people face which is even when you you know you don't fit the fit the list of people who could maybe get access to some free mental health care. But there, it is out there, and we can help you find it if you need it.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's one of the things we're talking about, really, really refining the resource <laughs> package and sheet, you know, of, of especially here in Houston. But I think this is work that churches are going to need to do mm-hmm. wherever they find themselves. Yeah. I mean, no matter where they are.
3: One of the the interesting stats that I was, been, uh, I read a a book a while ago called Deaths of Despair, where uh, the U.S. mortality rate started to increase midlife and about 22, Um, and it went from about 57%, it was kind of going down, and then it's like gone up over 300. And those deaths are deaths from alcohol, from suicide, um, uh, and there's one other factor in that. Oh, and drug overdose right and that, that that has like in 22 i think in 21 there's over 100,000 deaths to overdose alone just for drug overdose and i and i think that there's these like like and middle class white guys are the fastest growing folks that are committing suicide in the in the US um, and so i just think that there's like this something that our system like it's like the canary in the in the in the coal mine that i think that there's a way for us to to talk about mental health as if now just get back in the game, right, rather than being a prophetic maybe voice um, in our culture that says the game that is being played is rigged against us, um, both in terms of our families, in terms of our intimacy of relationships, and um, in terms of what it means to be human together. And we need to reimagine the game in a sense. And I just wonder what the... You know how we do that as a church and with the pastoral kind of, kind of utterance and care that that requires of us
0: yeah in a church like ours we're pretty diverse as well i mean you know we mm. sit here on our main campus in a very privileged very nice neighborhood but we also have mm. a, a campus that's uh, across I-10 in a very different demographic, a very different neighborhood, very Mm -hmm. different makeup. But even here on our campus, you come on Saturday night and you're gonna get a totally different experience at Mercy Street than you get on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think that that's why it's so important. We say all the time, it's like, Mercy Street is not the only place that has people who have addiction issues or Um, drug issues or alcohol issues or marriage issues or brokenness issues they're all on Sunday morning too they just look different (laughs) you know Uh, and they may not be as honest about it that's probably true in every church yeah yeah you you put on a good face
3: yeah or Mm -hmm. or there there's there's levels of um, places that those things will take us you know, what I'm finding at Mercy Street is that some of those levels have taken folks to what's called the bottom, you know, that they've, you know, it's it's the country western song, Gone Bad. You know, it's they've gone all the way there. But on Sunday mornings, there's a sense in which you can mitigate that some more, but people really are in the desire not to hide that. They want to talk about that. I think they're, yeah. they're trying to figure out where can those conversations happen and relationships break out yeah. is what I found.
1: I mean, I think to answer your question too, Matt, is... Um I, I you know, I think when the church is is that kind of prophetic voice that stands in those gaps where 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 we do see that disconnect, I think what we're we're gonna find is that the powers are gonna are gonna push back and they're gonna push back really hard. Mm. Right? That that when the church starts saying, Well, maybe the game is rigged and we should look at it another way, uh, there's gonna be a lot more voices that say those people are, are insane. They're wrong. Don't listen to that. Mm-hmm. The game that you're playing is the game that you should be playing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think for, for the church, if we're going to engage that, like, it's, it's not just a long haul, but it's like a core value, mm-hmm. right? It's something deep to who, who mm-hmm. we have to be. Otherwise, we're just, you know, we're incongruent with, with our witness to the right. world. Right, right, and so,
3: and that's like what we're talking about with spiritual development and care and and discipleship around here. It's not just about like like having a spiritual epidural against the pain, right? It really is about being able to reimagine my place within the world and how I might live in this world as Christ, um, as my guide and follower and and master and savior, and walk in a way that is going to. I think, bear witness to a different way of being, maybe called the kingdom of God. I don't
0: know. You know, know, I think, too, in our, um, we talk a lot about children Mm. and young people around health health issues. Mm -hmm. We saw this uh, particularly in the pandemic when our food pantry at uh, Gessner, you know, was the third largest distribution site in the Houston Food Bank area, like 16 counties or something like that and to see the families that are coming through and to see that okay these young children who are disadvantaged are also not going to school which means if they're in a school that provides a free lunch or free breakfast program they're not receiving that so Mm. the school districts were trying to hustle to figure out how to provide Uh, that for families outside of the schools that was not always effective and didn't work well and so and then they didn't have the capacity while they're not in school that maybe someone who was wealthier could hire a tutor on zoom or like I know of of a couple of families which was great and I think my daughter helped kind of supervise these kids would meet together and have class in someone's home they were socializing they were together and you know these parents were paying someone to come watch them do that even though the parents were there at the house not judging I'm just saying sounds great uh, but it was kind of like, I'm paying for someone to come do school with our group of kids, even though they're not allowed to go to school. And now a lot of other people didn't have that. Yeah. But not only, not only with, with, with those aspects on socioeconomic stuff, but even before the pandemic, this research says that anxiety and depression mm. were becoming more common among children and adolescents, increasing 27% and 24% respectively from 16 to 19. And by 2020, of the kids had been diagnosed with anxiety problems. 4% diagnosed with depression. We're talking about children and, um, 5 million kids also experienced behavior and conduct problems in 2020, a 21% increase from the previous year. Well, that makes sense.
1: 2020. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And, and I think that, uh, what this one particular resource says that despite, even in the midst of all those increases in need, the use of mental health care among children did not increase at all over a five-year period. Hmm. So you have now the increase in anxiety, increase in depression among children and youth, a lot of them not receiving treatment, no increase in providers or treatment places. Texas children, I think it was George Youngblood was telling me it was like a 900% increase in and the anxiety depression mental health
1: yeah their admissions admissions
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, or 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 whatever they call it reporting and i'm just thinking to myself man this is uh it's bigger than you think yes if you if you think oh it's overplayed or whatever you're wrong it's it's real it's out there it may not be affecting like you and your immediate circle but it's big and it's gonna have it's just like anything on a on a uh, if you think about synergy uh, if we don't participate in helping to solve this, we're gonna pay all of us are gonna pay. It's gonna impact all of us. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And I kinda of wonder like what Jesus is would do if we just kinda of ran the clock out and we just said, okay, let's hold some, you know, some programs or something as a church and we don't say, wait a minute, you know, that like like people are dying because there's something wrong. Something's happening that's wrong. <laughs> and and um maybe a weekend retreat is part of it it's not the answer like how do we how do we engage with students and families and folks that when they show up are barely hanging on right and um need more than chicken soup for the soul or something all like
0: right that. so let me just ask this kind of question so we've seen at chapelwood and i think we're not the only ones churches i think everywhere are seeing a lot of young families come yeah. to church yeah a lot of young families joining church. Do you think it's connected to this?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do.
0: I, I, yeah,
3: John. I, yeah, I, I, thought, I haven't thought of it that directly, but like.
0: I had put a lot of my cookies in the uh, in the pot or the jar of like the cultural dysfunction, the politi- political dis- divisions and everything, and people wanted something different. And so they were attracted maybe to our church because mm-hmm. we're kind of countering that whole thing. Yeah. You know, in the way we're doing what we're doing yeah, but the exactly. more i think about it it's like this is it's not just us i think this is happening to in a lot of churches i'm hearing this that a lot of young families are coming mm-hmm. and i'm just wondering if this mental health crisis depression anxiety if they're now seeing this manifestation in their children and they're looking they're flailing like where do i go what do i get help and i think i'm just, i'm yeah. this hypothesis i don't know this may we may not know for years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think um, with a young family myself, like, all that I crave, I think what, what my kids crave is stability, is routine, mm-hmm. and I think that, that I maybe what, what families on, are looking at when they see the church, maybe they think, all right, it's kind of an old-fashioned, maybe slightly dysfunctional institution, but it's still around. Maybe it'll provide us some yeah. stability, right? Yeah. Maybe it's got yeah. something still left in the gas tank, uh, you know, because, you know, we had Six baptisms this Sunday. Seven. Seven. Uh, who's counting? Um, I was. I had to do them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I was. Yeah, I was with you at the eight thirty, and I was right there in the second row, third row, in eleven o'clock, and, and there were two moms and one of the dads that like their eyes were just, they were not dry, right? Like Mm. watching their child be baptized was so monumental to them that like, you know, they were kind of trying to hold back those tears in that moment uh, because it was such a like beautiful blessing, a moment of grace. Mm. And so so maybe that is like these families are are looking for that stability, looking for that structure and then, oh wow, God's grace showed up. And it's kind of hard to hold that in, like to not, to ignore that. Mm. I mean, it's
0: sacramental. God's grace shows up. That's a good line. It's a good way to define the sacrament. I went to Duke. Yes, you did. And you, you know how you know if somebody went to Duke? They'll tell you. It's like CrossFit. You don't have to ask. They'll it's just like tell you. It's kind of like CrossFit. <laughs> I, I went to Duke. John, do.
3: I, did I tell you to do CrossFit? Yes, you okay, did tell me you sorry. did CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old What, all what us. if I did CrossFit and went to Duke? I would be
0: insufferable. You different. We have four you different, we have four different seminaries reflected here. You yeah, did go to Duke. Did. Right? I went to Duke. I did. You went to Fuller. I did. Yeah and we all know where you went everyone knows where you went because when you walk in he's going, hi i'm andrew and i it's went that to tattoo media. on his neck it's, yeah it's <laughs> the better blue it's the better blue <laughs> and you went to smu
2: i went to smu right. i went to perkins so all
0: right ponies up and then mm-hmm. i went to candler at emory mm-hmm. so
2: But I do do think that what's drawing younger people is that hunger for connection. I mean, even my own kids suffered a lot through COVID and the loss of friendship, and and they developed the anxiety and the depression, and I've walked with them through that. I had the ability to get them the mental health care. I was grateful that I recognized they needed it. That's half of it. But what the church today offers is is just this place of I think you're right of stability that has been lost everywhere else in the world but especially in Houston because we had Harvey then we had COVID in the shutdown these kids who have yeah. grown up in unprecedented oh, sure. times my, my kids were like if I have to go through one more thing that's unprecedented I'm going <laughs> to lose my mind <laughs> and so they're like I'm tired of unprecedented you know they're even my own kids who are you know young adults are looking for that 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 anchor that place yeah. to call home that is has been there for a long time yeah. so they they love Chapelwood, so thank yeah. you.
3: Can, can I say this? I wonder. I wonder if part of that for like for me, we don't have like family in town, mm-hmm. right? There's right. no grandparents. There's no great grandparents. So it feels like in some ways, my wife and I've been like soloing this gig for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think the church holds out this promise of family <laughs> that is um, like what Jesus said. You know, like there's this reconstitution of family where when one of my sons shows up, there's other people that go, "Hey." like a grandparent would or like an aunt or uncle would that lives next door or down the street or shows up at a game. It's like there's this like sense of you belong more than and you are more important than just um, the small cell that is trying to make it through the open sea. And I think partly that's what we are and the promise of what we can become. And I think families, I, my family needs this place, right? I mean, it's not just a yeah we should go we I sh- we should show up yeah. i mean it, it, we need this place
0: yeah. and that's where you get to the word tribe in, in yeah. a in a good way yeah versus the way tribal which we've talked about yeah. is like your tribe your people mm-hmm. it'd be great to be back to get back somehow to something or, or a new version of mm-hmm. you know all of these children are my children yes. when we do the baptismal ritual you know uh what yes. we do here, what we do here, the way we do it, instead of just following the liturgy, you know, rote, whatever, is we try to make sure everyone knows what each one of these pieces mean. Mm-hmm. And so when we do the congregational response, it's important to tell the congregation, you're a part of this. Yes, You, you are helping to make these children disciples yeah. by what you do, by yeah. what you give, right. by your attendance, by these are your, kids. your being here. <laughs> so when you read this, litur- this yeah. liturgy, yeah. that comes from the book, all right, oh, yeah. of worship. It's not just words on a page. I want you to know what it is you're saying. That's right. I was one woman years ago, she told me, after a service, wasn't it this church, she goes, I don't say that.
3: Oh, and, I, gosh. and I
0: was like, I'm sorry, what? She goes, that thing that we say that you say at the end, she goes, I don't say that. Why? She goes, because I'm not gonna pray for that child. Well, and if I said that, I mean, and I was like, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> yeah. You can't pray for them one time? Well, I just probably won't pray for them. I'll I, I pray. I, okay, fine. I, but I'm not. I It's like.
1: Mm.
3: Wow. Yeah. Which reminds me am I praying for those kids? Right?
1: Yeah.
0: I will our pray kids, for them that kids, they will I become, will become disciples yes. who walk in the way. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we say. We make that yeah. commitment. I will pray for them. Yeah. You go with your friggin yeah. conviction there, yeah.
1: John. Maybe, maybe, yeah. And, and again, to like counter that horrific experience like you know like the children's department here like welcomes my kids with open arms right and like uh lm sent sent me an email uh sunday afternoon she said look what warren made for me warren's my son and it was this little like you know uh uh, heart that was made out of this little um uh like what do they call uh
0: Crochet, yarn, no
1: wire, wire, the felt wire. What is it called? Oh, pipe the cleaner. Pipe pipe cleaners. Cleaners. Yes, made from
0: a, a guy who doesn't yeah. smoke a pipe, obviously.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it was so cool, right? Like he made her this thing, and then she sent it to us, and it was it was like very clear that this is a church that's gonna like be praying for my kids, It's yes. gonna be showing up for them, and, yeah, like, yeah. and like making them feel like this is a, a family, family that that it's not just up to me and my wife to mm-hmm. make
0: it work. Well, my point in telling you the horrible yeah. story about the lady was that, you know, when we pray this, we should mean it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. At least she was honest enough to say, I'm probably not gonna pray for this kid. So, so I mean, <laughs> if you're gonna give her any noble, like uh, whatever. All right, so as we leave, um, one word of advice you'd give to anybody listening that feels as if they are mm-hmm. struggling or depressed or anxious, or maybe they have a child or a young person, what would be your advice mm-hmm uh for them
2: i'd say reach out to us your pastors we have resources we know community places that we can get you help and get you headed in the right direction we have resources in the church you know for all economics and all options and churches have been shown to be the first you know we're the Mm -hmm. kind of the er for mental health so mm -hmm. come and let us help you reach out because we want to walk with you god wants to heal you
1: yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thanks that's good what I would say to those who are listening and thinking about you know being in a moment of crisis is uh, to to maybe look at going back to some first loves some things that have sustained you throughout your life that kind of ground you and, and keep you connected to who you are so whether that's you know, art uh, for me it's it's playing golf, whether it's uh, reading or something like like find those places where there are touchstones that have been really important for you. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe find some refuge there, um, and, mm-hmm. and, and then kind of let that reorient you. Mm-hmm. Come to church, but I think there are some things that we have already naturally built into who we are that just reconnect us to ourselves. Um, and to give those things a shot. That's great. Yeah. How about you? I just I normally just give folks your phone number. Oh, thank you. Nine seven five. (laughs) I think those are great.
3: I I I kind of go back to connection. Um, Where can we make connections, and where can those connections kind of reattach us, remember us, you know, help us? So that's my that's my go-to.
0: I'm getting to a place now where I'm I'm unapologetically saying to people. It's time to come back to church and I not from a guilt not from a shame yeah but I think we got into this behavior practice yeah. of not coming and yeah. so a lot of people watch online I think it's great but it's like the story I told of the gentleman earlier I mean he comes he can't he can't hear what I'm saying he wants to be here and like so if you if you can be in the community mm-hmm. like you said a community that loves you mm-hmm. cares about you. If nothing else, even if you never speak to another person while you're there, it it's there's something that's happening, right? It's mystical. We can't explain it. It's mystery. Yes. Uh but it's going to seep into you somehow. Just just watching other people interact yes. is something mm-hmm. that can, I think, do good for your soul. Mm. Yeah. And I think if you're feeling isolated, I think anxiety, depression comes from everywhere, but a lot of people, I think, through cover to feel isolated, mm-hmm. they've withdrawn, they don't get out as much as they mm-hmm. used to. Um, so I, I think that, that would be my two cents is, I think, tapping into a love and tap into a love that involves other people. You know, um, that's my thought, anyways. Hey, thanks for coming yeah, <laughs> and great. sharing Appreciate a few it. minutes with us. I know we'll have have you all on again and talk about different things. And mm-hmm. so this has been this has been really good. So we have this way we sign off, and before I do. Make sure if you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you rate it. Give us five stars. That makes a good, doesn't it, Jeff? Just when you see five
1: stars, just, just say one of those folks. Up like to this it.
0: is so good. I listen to that. You have I want us to be to this. number
1: one in Apple Podcasts. Yes, and what help us to get to number one in Apple Podcasts? Uh, number one
0: in whatever Categories. category this is. I'm not really sure what a category random is. podcasts. Pod have Two guys and
1: a microphone. Two guys and a mic.
0: But uh, yeah, any, anything you do, and when you share it, when you like it, when you subscribe. Subscribing yeah. is good. It does, it drives up whatever the magic algorithms of Elon Musk and, and <laughs> Facebook meta and whatever they're right. doing. I don't know whatever what they're, they're doing, doing, but uh, they kind of <laughs> soak up to the top. So we have this way we sign off, where we just say our names. So we're gonna do. We're gonna see if we can do it first okay. take. All right, we're going to have to cut. I'm John Stevens. I'm Matt Russell. I'm Andrew Wolf.
2: I'm Joy Johnston.
0: And this is Pod Have Mercy.